1: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Jamal Callender. Jamal is a phenomenal dancer. He was in my year at Juilliard in the dance program, and he's truly such a beautiful performer and a kind person. I haven't spent time with him in many years, but we've been keeping up over Facebook, and I've been observing the incredible projects he's been starting and working on. I'm really thankful that he agreed to speak over Skype, because he's based in Mannheim, Germany right now, and so we spoke at 4.30 p.m. my time and 10.30 p.m. his time, so thanks, Jamal. Please take a moment to like the Facebook page and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram for updates. And if you can take a moment to leave a review in iTunes and subscribe, it would really help other artists find the podcast. So thanks in advance. I hope you enjoy the 84th episode of The Compass. keep from going to the dark side as an artist? <laughs> the deep Just stuff. Right in. Yeah. Wow. And I, awesome. I mean, the dark side is different for everyone. So I guess also, what does it usually look like for you?
2: Yeah, I feel... Well, right now, I'm in a place where I feel like I, I go to the gym a lot. I go to the gym, and the gym is a place for me you know, where I feel now I'm getting inspired because I'm really taking care of my body as a whole. Right now I'm on this journey. I'm uh, 14 days into being vegan. So I've only been,
0: Oh
2: wow. (laughs) yeah, so I'm plant-based diet. And also that with going to the gym, it's really helping me to be hyper alert with my body right now, especially since like I'm towards the end of my season and I'm really fatigued and really tired. And it's easy to go to that place of you just want to give it all up. But finding something new for myself is really good. And it came at such a unique time where I was so fatigued. So um, I think, yeah, this diet and also going to the gym really kind of recharges or resets my batteries for my body in a way that keeps me motivated and keeps me going in that way.
0: That's awesome. How did you decide to make that change? And is it like
2: an experiment, or you're like, now I'm a vegan? No, 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 I love meat, I love bacon, I love (laughs) fish, like, I can't let it go. But I watched this documentary on Netflix, um, What the Health, and uh, the same guy... Did it just
0: come out
2: recently? It recently came out this year. It's the same guy who came out with a Cowspiracy, I believe. So, yeah, it just just dives in more with the whole uh, meat and dairy industry and how, you know, the body how it reacts to the body, and naturally humans are, you know, not designed to eat meat, all these different things. So long story short, I watched, the, I watched it, and from that I learned I was questioning, and I was like, you know, can I make myself not eat meat for two weeks? Can I try it and see what happens? Because my whole life, I, every meal I've had meat, it hasn't been a question or anything to me. So I was just, ah, let me try this and let's see. So I brought my husband and my mom on board, and, yeah, we've been doing it so far. It's been good. It's interesting because your food becomes so colorful. (laughs) Every plate is, like, hyper-colorful with so many different colors. So it's really nice. It's something different, and it's cool. Yeah, I enjoy it.
0: That's great that your mom and your husband are doing it with
2: you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a challenge to, I think if someone was eating meat in the same house as me, I would have a really hard time. Yeah. So he was, my husband, who was actually visiting now, he was definitely on board uh, to do it with me, so.
0: That, I'm that was... a, I'm a pescatarian, and... Ah, okay. And Frankie is definitely a mega carnivore, and so it's <laughs> been... It's been interesting through our whole relationship. Like it definitely makes it easier for him that at least I eat seafood. Yeah. So we can like have a lot of meals with that that we can share.
2: hmm You
0: know he can make chicken to add to whatever we're having. Or That's having. true. That's
2: what I yeah. And yeah. we were we were talking about that actually. we were talking about you know how would we want to go about reintroducing fish and meat into our um, into our diet? And we we're like you know maybe socially you know when we're out for dinner or. You know, we're traveling, definitely we can have it there, but, you know, when we're in our house and we have control of what we want to put in our bodies, you know, maybe we don't have to have a meat on our dish every year. And I grew up thinking, like, you know, a meat is what makes the meal. You know, it makes you full, and it's, yeah, it's not true at all, you know, so.
0: How has it been making you feel physically since you are a dancer?
2: You know, the the first few days was hard because I... I started to feel dizzy after like maybe two or three hours of no eating nothing because you know when you're only eating plant-based foods once it's gone it's gone there's nothing like meat really stays in and it makes you feel full so I would feel really dizzy so then I had to start you know really eating every hour something maybe like light snack or something um right. fruits or something like that um my husband actually made um protein balls with like Vegan protein, almonds, cocoa, coconut, and uh, mango together, so it's a nice little treat to have. But now, you know, two weeks into it, I'm hyper alert. Um, I wake up in the morning, I wouldn't say I always woke up sad (laughs) and depressed, (laughs) but I definitely woke up like, Oh my god, I have to go to work. Okay, let me take a shower. But now I'm like, Okay, let's do it. I'm motivated, let's, I'm excited to start today and it's I feel a difference I can't really explain what it is um because I mean again it's only been two weeks but I definitely feel a difference like when I'm walking in the street I feel I was thinking about this today I also feel younger like I feel like (laughs) my body's able to just keep going and going and it's a nice feeling. When I say I feel younger it's not to say that I'm like, you know, old. It's just I my body feels like it's at a it's in its a youthful state again, which yeah. is really nice. Nice it, feeling to it's have. It's so
0: interesting how we don't question some of the things that we've done since we were kids. Yeah. And just making a simple change, who knows how it'll make you feel.
2: Yeah. And, and making, and knowing that it's a choice, you know, and that's my whole thing. It's like, I know I'm choosing to do this. I didn't know I was choosing to eat meat before. It was just a thing I did. I didn't make a distinctive choice. Yeah. I made a choice saying tonight I'm going to have chicken tomorrow. I'm going to have, uh, you know, beef or whatever, but I didn't, it wasn't a choice for me. I thought I had to have it, it had to be a portion of my plate. And now learning that it doesn't have to is exciting that I, have more choices, and I'm learning about more fruits and more uh, plant-based foods and foods that I thought, like mushrooms, I would, I hated mushrooms. <laughs> now it's like in my meals, and I'm like, and onions, and all these different things that I would like not eat. Now it's like, oh, okay, they're cool.
0: <laughs> so how long have you been in Germany now?
2: I've been in Germany for two and a half years now. Yeah, I moved May... I moved in May of uh, twenty fifteen. So yeah, two in two and three months I've been here now. Yeah.
0: And that you were in New York before that?
2: Yeah, I was dancing with a ballet hispanico before that. Yeah. That's
0: right. So what's it been like being a s you know, a citizen of Europe for a while? <laughs> yeah. It's
2: been it's been very interesting. There's been some really, really good things and then some not so good things. I'll start with the not so good things. Okay. Um the biggest part is the language barrier, um, and it's been it's been a challenge. Now I've been here for over two years, but I don't really speak a lot of German. Um, I can get by with certain things, like in a grocery store and stuff like that. Yeah. The problem is, is because my company and I've been in two different companies in Germany under the same uh, same roof because we've had two different uh, artistic directors. And when an artistic director comes in, they decide the group that they want. So I was here during a transition year between two different... We call them intendants, which is like the chief uh, director. So in both companies, English was the main language spoken throughout the whole company. So every day, all you're speaking is English. Um, Is that because
0: all of the artists are from different places? Yeah, everyone's
2: international. We Mm -hmm. have... Currently, we have... 16 dancers in the company, and everyone's from a different country. We have one guy who's actually German, but everyone else is international, from uh, Italy, Spain, North America, um, Japan, you name it. uh, Wow. Everyone's from somewhere different. So English becomes the common language, and working from... 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and sometimes having shows in the evening, it's really hard to find the courses uh, to go and learn a language. Of course, I have Rosetta Stone, mm-hmm. and that's beneficial. It's helped me, but it's self-learning. You have to make yourself sit at a computer and do it. Yes. And that is, <laughs> that, is <not laughs> easy. that is really not easy. I, I go through one unit, and I'm like, hmm, okay. Next. (laughs) I'll just close the computer. No, I've
0: been doing that with Spanish for years, and I have no
2: excuse. (laughs) No excuse. And now I have... I I, I learned Spanish, but also I have to learn Catalan because my husband's from Barcelona, so I have to know both of those languages as well. And his mother doesn't speak English, uh, so it's another challenge. But that's been one of the things... uh, The language barrier has been really hard. Mm -hmm. Culturally, it's been amazing. Um... I, I, lo- I love living here. It's so close to everything. Um, Mannheim is just south of uh, Frankfurt. So the airport's right there. Okay. I can go to Berlin or Barcelona or London or Paris by train in three hours. So, seeing different parts of Europe has been really fun and uh, easy to do because of where I'm living. is so central. And Mannheim is such a small city but it has a unique uh, underground culture. It's a university town, so there's a lot of students here, but at the same time, there's this, uh, there's this vibe or something happening that's brewing. Like, I feel in the next five years, Mannheim's gonna be like the top five cities to travel and visit because it's just, there's something happening, and every time I walk the streets, I feel it. It's really interesting, and, and I like it. Um, At the same time, you know, Germany has the, you know, we allow a lot of refugees to come in. So that's also, I was here right when that started, right when uh, Angela Merkel uh, said that she'll allow more refugees to come in. So Mannheim has been a big hub for refugees as well. So it's been... um,
0: From Syria or from all over?
2: From all over, uh, from Afghanistan. We have a lot of... um, we have a lot of uh, refugees from African uh, countries as well. And last year, I did a workshop with refugees, um, we, myself and two other dancers from the company. We we went to a gym one day and just taught dance to refugees, giving them something to do because uh, people don't realize the real inside story of these refugees who leave their home, come to a new country, and... They come to Mannheim first, for example, and then they might get a letter or a call or uh, their name might be on the board at like two AM and they have to get on a bus to go to another German city. So they go from city to city to city just hopping around. And, you know, they're given a certain amount of allowance of food and stuff like that. So it kind of strips away your humanity. It almost feels like I don't wanna say it so crudely, but almost feel like you're in prison, you know, because you're being stripped away from your home, which you want to be, you know, Um, you want to move from your home because your home is a place that obviously isn't suitable for living at the moment. And a part of you also doesn't want to leave your home because that's where you're from. And you're being placed into a new environment so we gave these dance workshops just to help them have a sense of self and
0: an who they were
2: again. Yeah. And they, it was so interesting. It was mainly men. And they all brought their dances from their country. And you can see all of them light up. They were so happy. And they brought their uh, phone to plug in their music and just sharing it with each other. And it was just such an amazing moment and experience to have. Um, And they were very thankful for it. And after that, we had an Afghan uh, meal. We had some people Mm -hmm. cook a nice traditional Afghan meal for everyone. So it was a really, really nice day. So those are one of the things that I treasure living here so far, having that. And that comes from Juilliard, you know, um, doing all the outreach and stuff like that. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm,
0: I'm glad that you enjoy the city you're in. That makes a huge difference. Mm
2: -hmm. yeah.
0: Do you feel, what are the differences you feel as a professional dancer between like the culture there and how they, they treat you pursuing Mm -hmm. dance for your, um, for your career as as opposed to being in New York or somewhere else in the States?
2: I, you know, because Mannheim is such a small town and I would say this in each, uh, first of all, Germany, Europe as a whole, but Germany really supports the arts every um theater that's in every city uh i would say 99.2 percent are state funded fully there are some independent companies in cities as well but each city in germany has a state house or a national theater that's fully state funded so that's one of the biggest uh differences that you realize right away um <laughs> So, where I was in New York, I was not only a dancer, but I was an advocate for the company, you know, trying to get donors to like the company and to donate and to come see shows. I don't have to do any of that. There's just, people love to support the arts so it's part of their mandate. It's part of, you know, the taxes that people pay here. Um, So that's really nice because then you don't have to worry, you really just get to focus on dancing. And the art. Um, of course, there are other things that are not so good, uh, but overall, that's one of the biggest differences that I I see for myself. Um, and since being here, I've really been able to push my limits as an artist, as a thinker, and also as a choreographer. Um, right now, we're we're doing this choreographic workshop, which is a choreographic workshop, and this happens each year here at the theater and. Um, the dancers get the opportunity to create, to uh, choreograph on their peers. Uh, So I created a piece this year. And yeah, it's really nice to have this opportunity to work with your colleagues in a different way and also get to kind of release your voice uh, into the madness of the world a little bit and to see how it unfolds. So it's been really nice having this experience to create something and to to share and to not have to worry about oh my god I have no space I have no time yeah uh it's too expensive like I don't have to worry I, about I any can't of that pay stuff. my
0: dancers all of this stuff
2: yeah yeah you know in New York you have to pay for the studio space you have to pay the dancers you have to you know the costumes the lights the scheduling the delayed mta like (laughs) all those different variables really eat at you and don't get me wrong i love this city i love new york i love the vibe i love the the fast pace of it and you know every person i meet here in Mannheim, and i tell them from new york they're like oh and you leave manhattan to come to Mannheim, and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) the
0: the grass is always greener on the other side yeah that's what it Um, is
2: I've lived in Manhattan nearly my entire life. You know, I, I'm okay with a slow-paced life. Um, yeah. It's okay with me. So yeah. So
0: nice. So, how does your family feel about you being so far away? How? What sort of things have you put in place to make you feel connected to your friends and family back home?
2: Well, you know technology is the best thing ever with these it's situations amazing. not only with my my husband because my husband and i don't live together we're right. long distance because he lives in barcelona and i live here in germany and technology has been one of the best things um where it will facetime every day um and whatsapp you know is international so you know you can just text along and is, that's he, a, been is really he in the great. arts as well i'm sorry is
0: your husband in the arts as well
2: he, well, he's an architect, so...
0: Okay,
2: yeah. Yeah, he's an artist. He's he a different has a creative kind of... Like, he's like yeah. a different kind of designer, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's been great, having FaceTime and stuff. And likewise with my family. I FaceTime with my family once a week, every Sunday, uh, just checking in with everyone back in New York and seeing how everyone's doing. And obviously, my, my friends, I I speak with them probably the most. It's probably... Every two minutes, I'm, you know, on WhatsApp with my friends and stuff like that. So it's really nice to, you kind of feel like they're next to you, even though they're thousands of miles away. But uh, yeah, technology has been the biggest thing to make you feel like you're not missing out. You know, you're not missing an action or anything like that. You really have a sense of you're still there with your family and your friends and your support system that's been with you. And they all support me. My mom... And my dad and my siblings, they're so proud of me. In fact, my mom and dad came to Mannheim in February. Yeah, I had my mom, my dad, my uncle came in February to see a show and just to see the German life. And my sister's been here a year prior, so everyone comes to, you know, see why Jamal is so happy now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, so it's good.
0: Uh, can we talk a little bit about the Barbados Dance Project that you started? Oh
2: my gosh, this baby that I've created! But it's uh, been—it's
0: been what four years now? Is this the fourth summer?
2: This is the fourth summer of Barbados Dance Project, <laughs> which is whew, wow. I so, gosh, where do we start, Barbados Dance Project? Well, it's first, started... like, what's
0: your relationship to Barbados? Since you grew, you said you grew yeah. up mostly in New York.
2: Yeah, Yes. Yeah. So uh, both my mom and my dad are from Barbados. They were okay. born in Barbados and raised there. And uh, when I was born, I was born in North Carolina. And shortly after, my grandmother, who lived in Barbados, came to visit. And she wanted to raise a child. You know, all her children were grown, and she wanted to raise a child. And my mom and dad decided that I would be the child that was the youngest. They decided that, okay, Jamal can go and go back to Barbados. So I got to live in Barbados with my grandmother for uh, four to five years.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: Yeah, I was almost like a year old when I moved to Barbados. So I spent that time in Barbados and I started school there and everything. Yeah. And uh, then I moved back with my parents after that. So that was my beginnings with being in Barbados. And since then, every summer, since I moved back, I would go... To Barbados for the summers and just be with family and friends Um, so that's yeah that's basically the beginnings and then uh, while I was at Juilliard I went home to Barbados in 2008 yeah I went in 2008 and I started meeting people and talking to people before that it was always my family so now I, I was a little older so now I can meet other people and friends and you know, make connections. And then uh, people were like, oh, you're a dancer. I was like, yeah, I'm a dancer. I go to Julia. And they're like, oh my God, you go to Julia. Oh my God, you should come teach and do some classes. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. So I, I met this person at a studio and she wanted me to come in. I taught like two or three classes. And then over the years, it just progressed. I was teaching more and more and more And then the government got involved, they saw um, what I was doing, and they wanted me to come in and to teach, and they sponsored me to come in. Uh, The U.S. Embassy in Barbados also got involved, and I did workshops through them as well. And then, uh, you know, we had the crisis, the the Wall Street crisis uh, in New York, and that affected the whole world. You know, and a tiny island like Barbados, it affected it in a really big way, so big that the government decided to slash the funding of arts, Mm. which meant we all know as artists that's the first thing that goes in any kind of situation. So it became from me going every year to not going at all. They were like, sorry, we can't do this program anymore. It's just they've slashed our funding drastically. And it was a shame because I was making so many uh, relations with the young kids there and seeing the growth, and they were so excited every year for me to come back. And I felt torn because I was like, I can't just not do it anymore just because the government's not doing it. That doesn't mean it's over, you know. So I was talking with a friend, and uh, I just decided, I was like, you know, I should just do something. I should create something on my own and just go for it. So I created a whole business plan and presented it to some people. And they were like, wow, this is really awesome. What are you going to call this? And I was like, I don't know. It's just, it's just my, me giving back to Barbados. That's all I want to do is just uh-huh. give back. you know, Because that's where I was raised at a young age. And I just feel like I was at such an advantage of being, living in the States, getting this training, and that training didn't exist in Barbados at all. So I wanted to give back. And um, yeah, then Barbados Dance Project just was the thing that it became. And I did a Kickstarter back in 2014. We raised over $15,000. Wow. Um, in 30 days. And yeah, that was the first year we went and... It was so successful that we
0: just kept doing it. So we've been doing it since. And every year we raise $15,000. That's incredible. Yeah,
2: it's, it's hard. <laughs>
0: it's <laughs> and you, so were, hard. you were just saying that your season is almost done in Germany and that basically you're spending a lot of your break going to do that, which is incredible. Yes,
2: I spend most of my break teaching. Uh, I'm there in Barbados for three weeks and then I go to New York. For two weeks to see family and friends, and to also um, do some stuff with Move NYC with Chanel and Nigel. That's right, uh, which I'm really excited Ooh, about. But um, yeah, it's really exciting. Barbados Dance Project. It, it its mission really is to educate, collaborate, and engage with the Barbadian community by offering tuition free dance training. So the reason why I raise so much money is because no student is paying for anything at all, um, and you know, bringing in guest tutors from all over the world. Friends of mine get to come to Barbados and to uh, yeah, to teach and to give their their expertise and their wisdom, and the kids just soak it all in super fast.
0: What ages um, are you working with?
2: So this year. because I'm so ambitious I have opened the program even more before the program was ages 15 and older Um, but now since we're in the fourth year and we're seeing the success we have added another group ages 9 through 14 so now we have two groups uh, (laughs) in two locations I'm going to be driving back and forth like a madman between two (laughs) locations But it's exciting. I I, I remember that at the end of last year, I was like, we can do do more. We can get more people at a younger age. And it's exciting. Not only are we doing another group, I've also included this new program. It's called the National Emerging Choreographic Lab. Mm -hmm. And this is basically an incubator through the Barbados Dance Project for young choreographers in Barbados. So before for the showcase, because at the end of Barbados Dance Project, there's a showing where they learn, they showcase uh, things that they learn rep from myself or from guest uh, artists that from all over the world that have allowed me to share with them. And I always wanted it to be about Barbados first and about the dancers there first. But in order to do that, I had to work with them through the years to get their training at a certain level, understand the professionalism of dance, showing up on time, um, being committed, all those things. So they've shown me now that they're able to do that. So now I have uh, dancers who are also interested in choreography. So I want to give them the platform to create a work with dancers in Barbados Dance Project and that be part of the showcase as well. So this National Emerging Choreographic Lab is... A workshop for them to find their voice as well. And they'll be guided by myself and uh, other guest tutors who are coming down to uh, help them. And I think it's another pillar of why uh, this project is so successful and why people in Barbados, not only in Barbados, but all over the world, is like, what is going on down there? There's something brewing and it's exciting. It's really exciting.
0: exciting. That's amazing. And (laughs) plus, you're like giving with the choreography, you're giving them power to really create on their own when you're not there running this project.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, know, I, I want this to be a collaborative effort. I want this to be a collective of people coming together to create something magical. This isn't just about Jamal, you know, yes, I am the founder and artistic director, but I also want it to be about Barbados and people who are there creating and continuing because obviously i don't live there i'm only there three weeks out of the year so if if we can start to build this engine and keep it going then maybe this can be a year-round thing and people can keep it going and allow it to blossom
0: what sort of dance is a part of the culture there throughout the year are there any professional companies or just social dance or what sorts of things are
2: Yeah, so a lot of of it's social dance. Um, Mm -hmm. There are uh, freestyle dancers, there's community street dancers. uh, There are some schools, some schools for younger kids, so so they get the ballet, the jazz. uh, There's um, Afro-Caribbean, there's a lot of folkloric dancing. Unfortunately, there isn't a national company. There was a national company, but it folded um, maybe over 20 years ago or so, which is unfortunate So one of the things with Barbados Dance Project is that my aim is hoping that a national company could once again uh, be fruitful. And I think this project is something that is trying to show not only uh, Barbados but the whole world that dance is something that is uh, in essence there in Barbados. It's a challenge because in a small island like that, well, all over the world, really, but it's really noticeable in Barbados. You have to be a doctor, a lawyer, um, an engineer. Those are the things that they expect you to become. So when you say you're a dancer, it's kind of like, what are you going to do with that? That's nothing you can Mm. do. So also trying to break that mold that people can do, they should do whatever they're passionate about. And these young dancers are so passionate about being, representing Barbados and also just showing that they're able to create and and love what they do and be unapologetically happy about it.
0: Have you had any um, mentors in your life throughout your career since you left, Ju- or at Juilliard, I guess, hmm. um, who really influenced the way you've tried to approach your career decisions and your artistic decisions?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um Alexandra Wells from Juilliard, a uh, former Juilliard faculty member. She has been an amazing vehicle for me. Uh, not only while I was at Juilliard, but after. I mean, whenever I'm in New York, we go and we have dinner and we meet and we talk and you know I'm able to let her know what's going on and she gives me honest feedback um, about what she sees and how I can improve and whatnot. But my biggest uh, mentors actually are my best friends. Yeah, uh, they're my biggest mentors. Uh, they, I can say whatever I want, and they will tell me the honest truth. Um, <laughs> you know, Nigel and Chanel are probably my biggest mentors uh, because we walk in a similar path, and we, you know, we both grew up. We all grew up in New York. We all are passionate about the arts and advocacy and giving back and. community first and all these things so i really look up to them as my inspiration even though we're all the same age and we're all doing the same thing it's we kind of feed off of each other's energy of inspiration and it's really special it's important to have that and yeah i'm very thankful for that that inspiration that i get to have on a daily basis i'm sure if i look at my phone right now there's like yeah, it's like all my friends like and I'll just you know, I'll just chatting, just seeing what's going on. So it's really nice. It's you know, even though I'm six hours ahead and thousands of miles away, it's nice to still have that feeling that they're this close to you.
0: Yeah, well and especially since they started move NYC, like you guys are really pushing each other Yeah in, in different yeah. places, but doing a similar thing and giving back to the next generation. That's incredible.
2: Yeah. And you know, I, I will say, you know, sometimes obviously, you know, when people are creating something at the same time, people feel like there's a sense of competition, like, you know, we're doing right. similar programs. You're fundraising. We're you know, we're fun exactly, we're yeah. fundraising, we're doing all these different things, and it's like the total opposite. You know, we are reaching out, I you know, we're advocating for each other. Like my parents go to their benefit concerts when I'm not there. Nigel and Chanel actually came to Barbados dance project as teachers, as faculty. And, you know, we just, we know that this is the bigger picture. This, this is a collective and we're just, you know, picking locations, you know, we're just putting locations on a map. But the, the whole idea is to have the whole world this way. You know? <laughs> and it's great when you have people who think like you and who believe, not only, not only are great dancers, but are great thinkers and are are passionate about teaching and passionate about cultivating youth. I think that those are the two important things. Um, And that's something for me when I look for teachers. I look for people not only that are excellent dancers, but are exquisite in understanding youth and cultivating that youth and uh, understanding that they're precious gems and how to let them grow and let them be free but at the same time giving them guidance and letting them know that you can walk on your own but just know you're walking on your own but I'm here um I'm here for you so it's it's really nice and yeah it's all exciting
0: (laughs) when was the first time that you realized that teaching was something that you could do and that you found to be a powerful thing
2: (sighs) ah when I would say really it it was when I was in Barbados. I didn't necessarily think, "Oh, I'm going to be a teacher uh, or an instructor." It was just I saw a need for something. There was a lack. There was a lacking of something in Barbados, um, and I felt that the students were coming. They were like, "Please give us something. Give us something." Because you have to imagine, you know, you're on a tiny island. It's not easy to travel out of. Um, because of costs and stuff like that, and you're only subject to YouTube videos, So You Think You Dance, Dancing with the Stars, or someone posting on Instagram. That's your only right. Uh, look at professional dancers. You know, people who are working professionally. And I came in, and they were just like, "Oh, give me something." And I wanted to give, and then I just kept giving and giving and giving, and then. I kept receiving more love from them and more, uh, it was a, it was a a flow. It just kept going. So I just, that's where the teaching part came in. It was just, I just felt so much love and desire and need and want. And funny enough, it reminded me of myself when I was a student Hmm. learning. I, you know, I was such a sponge. I always wanted more and I would, you know, ask so many questions and I saw that in all of them. People were staying after, sitting, stretching with me, you know, telling me their stories and you know, wanting to achieve things and how to do it and simple things of teaching them like how to stretch after a class. And they would sit there and do it. And then they would do it on their own. And it was so exciting to see them uh, have this sense of empowerment of learning this simple tool and how to make it real. So for me, I felt like I was kind of like, a dance professional that came in that they see on tv all the time and it was actually real
0: mm-hmm. and
2: i wanted to amplify that and i wanted to make it bigger and i'm very thankful to have a lot of friends that i know that are very very successful in their careers so i'm able to bring them down and they're able to see them and they're just blown away not just the students but the uh, my friends and the tutors that come in they're just blown away by blown away by the level of excellence that's on the island and the only difference between this is what Nigel said the only difference between us and them is access we had yeah. access to it and unfortunately they didn't at the time but now they do <laughs> yeah how yeah.
0: Young, how young were you when you started dancing
2: i was well, socially, I was dancing probably while I was in my mother's womb. <laughs> but formal training, I started when I was eight years old.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What else did I want to ask you? Let me see here. Oh, is there like a lesson you've learned in the last couple of years that you're really proud of that you want to talk mm-hmm. about? Like it doesn't have to be like a big event in your life, but like something that yeah. you feel like you've learned that's yeah really changed you
2: be truthful and don't be afraid to speak your mind. And yeah, I would say be truthful and don't be afraid to speak your mind. I, throughout my career in the U.S., Mm -hmm. I've had moments where I have, I wouldn't say buttheads, but I have, uh, I have, how do I say this? I have went against the norms for dancers Uh dancers tend to be a yes person or you know just a yes person you know yes okay 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 and i've been in situations where it wasn't okay to just say yes um firstly while i was in new york i was an agma delegate i was a union delegate for my company so that already gave me a voice and you know this Unions are great because they they advocate for you to speak your voice. You don't want to feel like you're being sheltered or being shut out. And I will say it's not intentional by artistic staff or management, but you have to speak your voice. So yeah. with all that to be said, um, I have uh, learned that you have to be truthful and you have to... Uh, speak up for what is right and what isn't right. And when it's time to go, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so, sometimes it's easy to be afraid of not being liked. Yeah. But if it's important or if it's a matter of your integrity or your safety, like, you have to speak yeah. up.
2: And I've learned also that it's not an egotistical thing at all. You know, it's a, people will look at it and say, oh, you're just being egotistical. And it's like, no, I, I really feel this passionate about this thing or i believe that this is not right and my best choice is to move on so i'll say uh i've been to atlanta ballet hubba street Mm two and ballet hispanico two of those three companies i quit because it things were not right um and i'm so happy i made those choices out. Um, I, I'm a very candid person. I speak my mind. Um, I'm not afraid to advocate for people or advocate for myself. Um, I've never been afraid of that. So, I, I look at myself now and I look at my, I tell the younger self that you were right, that you followed what your gut was telling you, followed your heart, you followed your passion, and You stood up. You stood up when the culture of dance would tell you not to.
0: Yeah. Well, and also that feeling of uh, sometimes we can give into the feeling of scarcity as artists Mm -hmm. of like, Mm -hmm. well, I can't let go of this job because what if there's not another one?
2: Yeah. Or what, you know, you also think about, well, someone else is going to come along and put up with this and, you know, that person will never change, you know, that and those are things you can't really, uh, worry about. You have to worry about yourself and you have to worry about your trajectory and your story, your legacy that you're setting for yourself and your longevity, you know, because it's, it's not only, uh, it's not only physical, but it's mental. It's, yeah. it's really a lot that not only dancers, but all artists put on themselves. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot and we're we're really rare creatures walking this earth (laughs) very special people artists
0: (laughs) are there any things um if you're having a day where you're really feeling down or uninspired like you don't want to leave your apartment you don't want to create you don't want to strive like what are the tangible things that you reach for again and again like do you have a book that you reread is there a place that you go Uh, What are the things
2: you do? Yeah, there's certain things. Um, I've read... There are two books, actually. There's The Alchemist, which everyone knows about. And uh, there's The Four Agreements, which uh, I was given as a gift uh, my senior year at Juilliard from uh, Larry, uh, the director of dance. Um, And he gives it to every senior. And this book really just talks about... uh, things, I, for me, things to keep you grounded, like, you know, uh, being impeccable with your word, not taking anything personally, you know, always doing your best, and, you know, it's it kind of levels you out because my biggest one is don't take anything personally. I <laughs> think I struggle with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always say, I even write in my journals. I have, like, random pages. When I first buy a journal, I'll put, I'll write in random parts do not take anything personally and I'll get to that page and some days I'll actually rip it out. And some days I'll just laugh. And I'm like, why? (laughs) I needed to hear that right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but But it's true. That's That's true.
2: Yeah. So it's, that's something that I use to really help me um, ground myself and listening to music uh, um, and sleeping. (laughs) You know, you don't realize how important sleep is, but, when you're tired, your body's literally saying, stop, stop what you're doing, close your computer, close your phone, turn off the TV, lay down, you know, and then the sun. Ugh. When it's summertime, it's perfect because yeah. you can go out and you can just rest in the sun and relax. So it's really nice. Yeah. That's why I'm looking forward to Barbados so much because I will be on the beach just you know, listening to the water, closing my eyes, and just taking it all in, it's nice. So, mm. yeah.
0: And then the last question I wanted to ask you was, have you seen anything recently that you want to recommend of any art form?
2: Mm. Something that I've seen recently.
0: So could, dun, dun, dun. could be something live there, or if it's like a movie or whatever you like.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, the most recent movie I've been talking about is "What the Health," but that's like, uh, I don't want to be a, pro- I don't want to be the propaganda or the <laughs> the trumpet man for people going on a, a plant based diet. So. Um, but I'm trying to think something that I've seen recently. Oh my gosh!
0: Do you get a chance to see a lot of other live art when you're there? Or are you always working? You
2: know, I I really don't I. I don't get to see a lot of live art, but I do try to see the other departments in the theater when I have time. I've actually been going to the orchestra um, and seeing them a lot. Something I did at Juilliard, but I haven't done it in years. But now I do it again. I find myself listening to it more. So I go and do that sometimes because that's a total different thing. And also I go see the Schauspiel, um, the plays, the actors. Um, I'll go see them and... Obviously, I don't understand German, but I can understand the, like, everyone knows Hamlet, so, you yeah. know, you can't go wrong with Hamlet. <laughs> so, you know, you know the story, but you just see how they interpret it and how they, um, the direction of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's very, it's all contemporary and it's really nice. It's really cool, you know, how they turn this environment into this world. And uh, that's also really nice. I guess I do see things. I don't know why.
0: Are you guys, is it all one building at the theater, like Uh, all these different departments?
2: We have multiple buildings. Uh, We share the same theaters. There's two theaters uh, in the building, and there's a dance uh, space. But the dancers, we have our own house, a dance house, we call it, which is like uh, a mile and a half away from uh, the actual theater. So we go out there, and the dancers are by themselves, um, the musicians and the uh, the playwrights and the actors, they're most like I think they're in the theater. They have their own space there, um, and then there's another area for the opera, which is in the other direction, a mile and a half away. So um, we don't really get to see each other that much, no. Yeah. <laughs> and there's over six hundred people working in the theater.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, that's counting the technicians and um, yeah, it's a huge, huge, huge theater, which is really fun, but you don't get to see anyone. I only get to see (laughs) six dancers every (laughs) day. So yeah, but I am looking forward to being in New York and seeing a lot of festivals this summer. Um, uh, Of course, I'm looking forward to move NYC because that's kind of uh, something I'm always looking forward to and seeing what Nigel no, and Chanel have created because every year they're I mean this is only their second year but they're already going like full speed I always say they're taking over New York City so <laughs> that's also it's something I'm looking incredible. forward to and also just spending time with my husband um are like oh, you guys going to be together, there at the same so. time are, are, I'm you, sorry?
0: are you guys going to the U.S. together
2: yeah, and actually he's coming to Barbados for the first time, so nice. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, he's coming to Barbados, and we're going to go to New York together, and we're going to go back to Barcelona together, so it's a nice time to see each other for so long, because, you know, he yeah. works one place, I work here.
0: So. That'll be so nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's about it, unless there's something that you really wanted to talk about that I did not ask you about.
2: No, I think we covered, we we, we talked, co- yeah. It's... We
0: covered a good range of things.
2: Yeah. Well, Jamal,
0: thank you so much. This was amazing.
2: Oh, Bye. thank you. I'm so happy and so glad I got to see you. <laughs>
0: Listening to the Compass podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller. Music by Brendan Spieth. Audio assistance from Nick Choksey and a special thanks to Frankie J Alvarez. See you next time.